Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name, each one. It's good to have you all here. Welcome to the visitors, Corin and Julie and Stan and your wife. It's good to have you here with us. Let's start with a word of prayer. We could bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being trustworthy. We can trust in you. Thank you for taking care of us, Lord. Pray that we would give you our all, our, our heart and our soul and mind and strength to serve you, to glorify your name. Lord, I pray that you would be with me this morning as I speak. Pray that um, you would remind me the things of the things that I should say and take away those things which you don't want me to say. I just pray that you would um, inspire all of us to um, live for you more fully. I ask that you be here among us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I'd like to talk about the time that we live in and... Um, or has to do with the time that we live in and how um, we are to look to God through this time. Um, it's very pertinent to our day and specifically to today, I guess. Um, I, have a qu I have a question for the younger children, like children's lesson age. Does anybody know what day this is today? July 4th. Yeah, that's right, July 4th. So what is that called? Do you know? Yeah, very good. That is right, Independence Day. So um, what that means, Independence Day is um, back... In 1776, on July 4th, well, or some, I guess, say that it was, I think they said it was officially adopted, um, the Declaration of Independence. That means that um, they wrote up a big document, and they, they took it, and they supported it. Basically, it was yeah, adopted on July 4th. So the Declaration of Independence means that, um, well, it's a whole, it's a big, long paragraph. I was reading it a little bit yesterday. But there was a great king in Britain, I believe, that was over um, what we now know as the United States. And they had rule over all the things that we did. They told us what we could do, what we couldn't do, and... Um, He had rule over this place, or he tried to. He did. Um, so they, they formed a group of committee called Congress, I believe. And they wrote out this whole big, long um, paragraph about why they wanted to separate themselves, to be independent of Britain, of Great Britain. Does anybody know who wrote the uh, Declaration of Independence. 
Do you know that, Neil? That is right. Yep. He wrote it, and then Benjamin Franklin and um, John Adams reviewed it, and they presented it. They were in the committee, and they presented it to the rest of Congress, and they adopted it on July 4th. So, um, I'm not going to get into too many technical details. It says the most common <laughs> um, passage or place in the same uh, Declaration of Independence is probably this part. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That's true. We believe that. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these, do we have rights? Not sure. <laughs> Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent from the consent of the governed. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to get into all that if we have rights. But do we have rights if we're bought twice by Jesus and we're rightfully his? Jesus definitely has rights, I believe. I'm not sure if we do. Maybe I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, we have a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. That's what this thing says. Declaration of Independence. So after, that didn't mean that they were independent at that time, but afterwards um, they had to fight for it. But that was kind of the beginning of our independence as a nation. So if you'd turn with me to John 15. we're going to um, look just kind of skim over this some verses in this chapter and um, look at a few different things it says in verse 1 of John 15 I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman so that's a statement we established that, that Jesus is the true vine, his father is the husbandman. Jump down to verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, says Jesus, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. We are helpless without him. We can do nothing. We are totally dependent on him for um, our life, for our fruit. We can't do anything without him. He is the true vine. If we don't abide in him, we can do nothing. Earlier on in, the, um, in John, John himself actually says, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from above. That's after the... Um, Either the scribes and Pharisees, or I think it was the scribes and Pharisees, were complaining that Jesus was beyond Jordan, I believe, baptizing. And all men come to him. And John says, a man can receive nothing except to be given him from above. Meaning that Jesus um, couldn't do what he was doing except he be, it be given to him from above. And so can we not do anything except we receive, except it be given to us from above. In 1 Corinthians says, For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou dost not receive? Now if thou dost receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? 
Did we, do we have anything that we didn't receive? We have life, and that's pretty much the, kind of the basis of everything that we have, because if we'd be dead, we wouldn't really have anything to a certain extent. Um, and God is the one that holds that life in his hand. So this morning I would like to talk about dependence, and um, I guess the title would be sort of a declaration of dependence, instead of a declaration of independence, declaration of dependence. Dependence on Christ, on God, and then later um, I'm going to talk about dependence on each other. So dependence means to place trust in, to have confidence, secure, or bold. So I'd like to look at how we actually aren't that independent by ourselves, even though the world likes to um, lift that up as something high and lofty and great. You want to be independent. You want to be yourself. <clears throat> but we need to be dependent. We are dependent. We need to actually just see that dependence on God and each other. Psalms 127, 1, it's a familiar verse. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It's very clear that if we don't trust in the Lord, well, that anybody that builds a house, I think it's talking about um, our, our spiritual house, our spiritual um Spirit, <laughs> except the Lord build it, they labor in vain that build it. Or even the church, we labor in vain to build the church, except the Lord be with us. And the watchman that warns us about our safety, um, he can warn and exhort. But except that the Lord keep the city or keep us, that warning is in vain. <clears throat> it is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. In 2 Corinthians 3.5, it says, in just another place, it says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So we are totally dependent on God. He is, we can do nothing of ourselves. We can't think anything of ourselves. Each, um, I know it talks a lot about um, being low, of lowly mind, especially one to another. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Um, and it goes on there. But in lowliness, I forget how it says it. Basically, it's talking about Jesus being a lowly of lowly mind. The enemy, the devil, wants to destroy us, and he can do that if he gets us to doubt God, gets us to um, gets our faith and trust, dependence on him to waver and to quake if he eliminates our dependence on him. As um, Rabshakeh said to Hezekiah in Second Kings, thus saith the king, Rabshakeh, let not Hezekiah deceive you, this is actually Reb Sheka's, um, 
servant that told Hezekiah this, or he was shouting it to them that were in the city on the wall. He says, For he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Oh, there he's talking to the people. Hezekiah won't be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. So, um, Rabshakeh's servant was trying to convince the people that, why would you trust in God? He will not deliver you. If you trust in him, why do you think that will... Um, well, Hezekiah was trying to get the people to trust in God, and this guy was like trying to convince him that that's nothing. You cannot um, trust in God and not be overtaken by us. Isn't this the um, God that Hezekiah destroyed these high places and altars? Why did you destroy him if you're still trusting him? That actually wasn't true, that he destroyed altars that were for God. It was, they were, um, I believe they were bad altars. Things that God didn't want them to do. And in Isaiah 30, it says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel. I guess it's kind of a little bit different topic. <clears throat> or a little bit different thought. In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye would not. He's talking to Israelites and, I guess, the rebelliousness that they had. God said, In returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence, in dependence and confidence shall be your strength. Also in Isaiah... 12, 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God, Jehovah, is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. So here again it says, I will trust and not be afraid. I will depend on him and not be afraid. Dependence eliminates fear. Dependence on God. In Psalms 27, 3. Well, first of all, in verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my, the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Down in verse 3, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. He will be confident. He will trust. He will depend on the Lord who is his salvation, and the Lord, who is his strength. He won't fear because he depends upon God. True dependence eliminates fear. Jesus also um, depended on God very heavily, even though he was God, it seems um, sort of a um, 
interesting, I guess, that, that Jesus had to depend on God since he was God, but he was in the human body, and I believe he needed, he needed to depend on God because God and the Father, Jesus and the Father are one. Um, let's see, in John 5, there's two places here where it says, where it specifically says that Jesus was depending on his Father. Verse 19, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. 30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. So he was truly... um, Emptied of himself. It's a very uh, big topic. <laughs> Jesus being emptied of himself. What did he empty himself of? Um, but it says he can of his own self do nothing. But what he sees the Father do. And his judgment is just. I believe our, the only way our judgment of anything is just and right is if we don't seek our own will, but the will of the Father, if we depend on him. If we don't have any self-motivation in our judging. But Jesus depended on God to the fullest extent. So you can turn with me to John 17. Jesus' high priestly prayer. Um, and I'm just going to kind of skim over this chapter 2. Uh, let's start in verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. So we are dependent on God, on Jesus, to manifest himself to us, I believe. Because um, he says that no man comes unto the Father. No, it comes unto Jesus, except the Father draw him. I believe we rely on Jesus to manifest him to himself to us. We depend on him. Uh, then, in verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. I believe we need to depend on Jesus to pray for us. I believe he does pray for us. He intercedes. He's set at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. That's an amazing thought. He prays for us, which the Father has given. Here, I guess he was specifically talking about his disciples, but I believe he also intercedes for us, prays for us. We're dependent upon Jesus to intercede for us. Just thinking about um, I guess I'm not sure about so Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God interceding for us. It does say that. Um, But then another place Jesus also says that uh, once he gives us the Holy Spirit 
um, is that there's no need to, for him to pray the Father to the Father for us, but the Father himself loves us. So I guess that could be discussed if you have thoughts on that later. Um, <clears throat> down in verse 11 of this chapter. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. We are dependent on Jesus or on the Father to keep us through his name. He talks a lot about keeping us in this chapter, keeping us from evil, keeping us from the world. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. There it is again about keeping us from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then further on, um, let's read 20 through 23. <laughs> Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. I believe that's us today. We believed on Jesus through the disciples' word. That they may all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that, that, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. There's a lot in here. Jesus prays for us. Again, there it says it. And he prays that we all may be one. As the Father and him are one, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. We need each other. It says it like um, three times in three verses, that we may be one, that they may be one, even as I and the Father are one, he says. So I guess that kind of brings me to the second point of dependence on each other and how we need to be one and depend on each other. Um, in Ephesians, I guess, is a very, um, very clearly states how we are to depend on each other. Ephesians 4. You can turn with me there to that passage.
Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And then, let's skip down to 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here, just thinking about dependence on each other and how we need each other, it says it very clearly. He gave different gifts to different people so that we're all um, made perfect. So we come to the fullness of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need each other, each other to become perfect. We need to depend on each other for the edifying of the body of Christ. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I think that almost is one of my favorite verses. It is one of my favorite verses. I'm not sure if it's the one. <laughs> but it's just, um, it just seems like it brings it out so clearly. Or it says it so in such depth how it works, how we work together when we are under Christ as the head. It says charity is the bond of perfectness. It keeps us all together. We are the body of Christ. It says it lots of times in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. We are the body of Christ. And just like a normal body that works, you need things to keep it together. Um, I haven't studied into that. Is it our ligaments or is it our skin or muscle or bone? I guess all those things work together to keep us together. And maybe that's likened to charity, which is a bond of perfectness. But they wouldn't, none of, thing, none of the things would work without the head, which is Christ. So he gives life to the whole body. <clears throat> So we depend on each other. We cannot be ourselves on this little island by ourselves and expect to be made perfect. But how does that perfection come to pass? It's by depending on each other. And I think it's more than just um, seeing each other every week, but it is um, personal heart-to-heart sharing and talking one-on-one. Um, that usually doesn't just happen. Like, all of a sudden we find ourselves um, in a situation. Well, actually, I think maybe it can. If, if we um, have our minds on the right things. But I think we need to pursue it and to look for opportunities where we can be united in heart and um, so, that we can't, so that we feel dependent on each other. 
that makes sense. We are the body of Christ. So I have a lot here. I need to cut it short. Um, in 1 John 3.16, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I am depending on you, and you are depending on me, to lay down my life for you. And it gets practical, not just the thought of laying down my life, but it says, Whoso has, hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So I think it's saying that's how we can lay down our lives for the brethren. That's how I need to lay down my life for you. One of the ways. You are depending on me to do this. If I see you have need, I need to um, open up my bowels of compassion to you. We need to depend. We are dependent on each other to love in deed and in truth. Not saying, I don't think this is saying that we shouldn't love in word. I think those would come after. I think those do come out of um, our attitude and out of the, after the deeds, they come after. Don't just say that you love each other and then don't actually do it. We are to bear each other's, one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You are dependent on me and I am dependent on you and you are dependent on each other to carry each other's burdens. And you are dependent on me to not lie to each other. Lie not one to another brethren, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds. If you read um, through the New Testament and just think about, with the thought in mind that um, how are others dependent on me or how, are, how am I dependent on you, basically every command that we're commanded to do or to perform, other people are depending on me for. And we need to take that responsibility seriously. Um, in James, it says, grudge not. Grudge not. Um, I don't have it written down here. Against each other. And in Jude, another one of my favorite passages, and if some have compassion, making a difference. You are dependent on me to have compassion on you. And I'm dependent on you, which makes a difference. If we have compassion on each other, it actually makes a difference. And of some, oh, sorry, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. So I need you to, if you see me fall or be overtaken in a fault, says you which is spiritual, restore such one. I need, I'm depending on you to restore me, to save me with fear if you see um, where I have fallen or... If I'm going down the wrong path, I'm depending on you to do that. So, I guess to conclude it, um, we actually do have rights. <laughs> or at least, 
you have rights. I can say that from my perspective to myself, that you have rights from me. You are entitled to charity from me. You are entitled to no evil speaking to you from me. You are entitled to bowels of mercies from me. You are worth holding in honor and to be and worth being kindly affectionate affectionated toward. You have the right to be respected by me. At least from my perspective. <laughs> so I trust that we can all do that to each other. May God help us.